why not have Lizzie Bennett be a stand-up comedian? Because guess what else? She tells more jokes than she reads books, right? She tells more jokes than she reads books. Make her a comedian. That's what I'm doing. There we I'm go. I'm fine with that. My, modernis- that. my modernization, she's a comedian. Her dad's mm-hmm. a university lecturer and he wants her to do something sensible. No, he doesn't mm-hmm. give a shit. He doesn't give a shit what she does. Yeah, that can be the the argument between uh, him and his ex-wife. Because in my version, they're uh, they're divorced, but still trying to parent their adult Ooh, daughters. Yes! Yes! <laughs> that really works. Because then you've got the moment when Lizzie Bennett's like, hey, I'm not going to marry Mr. Collins. And mum says, you can either talk to your dad or you can talk to me. Because they're divorced. Yeah. Okay. Do Lauren, I don't suppose you've got a hammer, do you? <laughs> I don't. I just, I really need to dismantle this soapbox I've been standing on for the last oh, 20 minutes. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, um, I like <laughs> our version of, uh, I like our version of Pride and Prejudice, though, our modern retelling. Mate, I like our version of everything. About a, about a stand-up <laughs> comedian who's... Lizzie Bennett, the stand-up comedian whose dad is divorced from her mum and is a university lecturer and he's a bit sad and maybe she goes home and she has to, like... I would love for Wickham to be like another fuckboy comedian because yeah. I would love to see like his his routine that she like initially is like into and she thinks that they're like on the level and mm-hmm. then she finds out yes. a bunch of shit about him. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm into it. Does Mr. Darcy own the comedy club? <laughs> Yeah, but like by default, like it's not like he didn't set out to buy the comedy club. His his family just own a lot of real estate. Yeah. Well, his dad owns the building, but Wickham's dad was the manager. Yeah. <laughs> and Wickham was meant to be the manager. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> oh, goodness. You know. Terrible. Terrible. How do you update the scandal with the... Uh, Oh, he's still a paedophile in my fashion. <laughs> Her sister actually is just 15. Yeah. By the way, she's 15. Yeah. 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 Whew. Wow. Rough. Maybe he's like hitting her up because, you you know, you've got to have like um some kind of like chat happening on screen because it's a modernization. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So maybe he's like hitting up her ASL on the old MSN. <laughs> trying to think like. Maybe he is that- like. He is sliding into the Instagrams of a yeah, lot of young women. Yeah, yeah, Lydia. That's the thing. That's the Georgiana. thing. Georgiana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And and he tries sliding back into Lizzie's DMs. Mm-hmm. After he's married to Lydia. Ooh. Rough, and yeah. Watch, she just locks her phone. She just locks her phone. She puts it down. She walks away. Just, just sets it on fire just smashes her phone she gets a new contract new number please yeah new phone who dis hello and welcome to bonnets of dawn the only podcast where the hosts like to uh you know spitball ideas for bronte and austin retellings before they start recording each week i'm your host lauren burke team bronte and I'm your host, Hannah Chapman, Team Austin. 
And this week, what are we doing, Hannah? (laughs) What are we doing this week? This week, we are talking about diverse retellings of Jane Austen's novels. Yes, indeed. Um, And first up... Pride and Prejudice, right? Yeah, really, Pride and Prejudice, yeah. Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. (laughs) The most most famous one, and the most popular one, really. But not her best. I can't find anyone that doesn't like Pride and Prejudice best. It is a universal truth. Ugh. Yeah, the um, <laughs> the listeners can't really see your look of disdain right now. <laughs> Just move on, move on. I'm to moving the next on, segment. moving on. Okay, <laughs> let's give a shout out to Shante. Um, she is the one that brought the latest Pride and Prejudice adaptation to our attention. Now, this one is coming from Lifetime, which is sort of unexpected, honestly. Because um, when I think of a Lifetime movie, I think about, you know, movies that are so bad that they're good, like um, Texas Cheerleader Squad Scandal. Do you know that one, Hannah? No. It's great. Please check it out. <laughs> um, the Boy She Met Online. How about that one? That sounds like a great title. <laughs> it is a great title. What about Sexting in Suburbia? Do you know that one? That's the one starring, um, oh, what's Sheila Booth's in it. Sure. Um, yeah, Lifetime. So do you guys, you guys have Lifetime Network over there or no? No, we do. It's like Lifetime is the old Netflix original, right? So now nowadays it's like, oh, it's like a Netflix original. Right. Right. Like sort of it like a meant, Hallmark wait, movie. I mean, it's a Christmas Netflix original. <laughs> like the Christmas yeah. Prince. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, you're right in the, the right area, which sidebar again, when I am over there, we have to watch so many Netflix like original Christmas movies. I loved the Christmas Prince. There are some really good ones um, that they've just uploaded that I cannot wait to watch. So bad. They're great. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, Pride and Prejudice on Lifetime. This is really kind of bizarre, but I think that they've been sort of changing their image a little bit in the past couple years. So, um, okay. so yeah, this could be promising, um, especially since it's an all-black adaptation and it takes place in Atlanta. And Mrs. Bennett is a self-help author played by Jack Hay. And Mr. Bennett is a pastor played by Reginald Vell Johnson. Um, who was the dad in Family Matters, by the way, if you don't know. And I grew up with a lot of my friends telling me that my dad looked just like Reginald Fell Johnson. So (laughs) you're living your best Lizzie Bennett fantasy right now. Yeah, exactly. I'm just also really excited to see those two married, can I just say. So I'm like really excited for this adaptation because I want to see these guys together. But also it feels like, you know, we don't know a lot about it, but it feels like what we do know so far, like the details are very specific, like, you know, Mm -hmm. their careers and the place. Um, So I do think that the screenwriter, it seems like they have some solid ideas for like how they want to bring the story into modern day. Of course, we got to we got to wait to see it until we can really comment on it. But I'm excited. Fingers crossed is good. Maybe we should. Pilot. We should. Okay. That would be yeah, good times. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. So next up on our little roundup is Unmarriageable by Sonia Kamal. 
And the description of this is a scandal and vicious rumour concerning the Binat family have destroyed their fortune and prospects for desirable marriages. But Alice, the second and most practical of the five Binat daughters, has found happiness teaching English literature to schoolgirls. Knowing that many of her students won't make it to graduation before dropping out to marry and have children, Alice teaches them about Jane Austen and her other literary heroes and hopes to inspire the girls to dream of more. When an invitation arrives to the biggest wedding their small town has seen in years, Mrs Binat, certain that their luck is about to change, excitedly sets to work preparing her daughters to fish for rich, eligible bachelors. Some dudes. Eligible. Yeah. How do you say that? You got it. I said it. You said it. I'm uh, I'm excited for this guy. This one uh, doesn't come out until January. January 15th, if I remember correctly, which is good because that's like when I will have time to start reading something, <laughs> to be honest. Oh, are you free in January? My, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to buy another book. We'll see how the new year treats me. Wives and daughters, Lauren, don't forget. That's true. We got wives and daughters coming up. Um, <laughs> I do I do really want to uh, check this one out, especially because uh, all the reviews so far have been super positive, especially from uh, one of our friends, uh, Devaney, who really likes this book. And um, all of the reviews also mention like Pakistani food and fashions. And so I like that the culture is sort of like coming through and um, I don't know, maybe I can pick up some new recipes. I also really like food and books. It's just like one of my things. Into it. I'm really excited for uh, Pride, which is another one that's coming out or is out. Mm -hmm. It's the only one that's out. It is. True story. It is out. But we haven't read it, have we? No, we can't until 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Until February. Until February. (laughs) So Pride's by Ibi Zaboy, and Zaboy calls her book a remix of Austen's work, and it's set in the rapidly gentrifying neighbourhood of Bushwick in Brooklyn, and it features two black teens falling in love. I don't really know anything about Bushwick. Is it, like, gentrifying? Is it real? Pretty hardcore. Have you been to Brooklyn? I've never been to New York State. Oh, wow. Okay. Here's what I know about Brooklyn. Um, every time I visit my friends in Brooklyn, they are moving to smaller and smaller apartments that cost yeah. like twice as more much as my mortgage. <laughs> so over on Goodreads, Sarah Pesci said, the thing that I love about P&P variations is that good ones can reveal new ways of looking at the original. Ibby's a boy here makes me realize that there's a dimension to Elizabeth Bennet as being afraid of change. I... And her Zuri shows this clearly in loving her neighborhood and being at a time in her life and in the neighborhood's life where change is happening and it's inevitable and scary. The poetry is incredible. I would happily read a whole book of it. We had had an earlier discussion about this book and um, I had said something kind of flippantly that I was like, oh, I really like that she's using sort of like the gentrifying neighborhood. So like to tell the story and you were like, Lauren... Pride and Prejudice is already like about gentrification. Yeah, but unfortunately that clip doesn't exist. <laughs> I can't remember. Well, I can't remember what smart thing I said. Just like, oh no, I do remember. Just like Bingley is new money, isn't he? And he's yeah. like coming, he's coming to Netherfield to rent old money property because someone maybe has like, we don't know the story behind Netherfield. Like maybe it's an additional estate. 
we know that Jane Austen had a brother who had multiple estates and he was renting out the smallest one to people Mm -hmm. as extra income. Like that is something that people did. But we also know that like Anne Elliot's family retrenched to Bath because they can't afford to live in their stately home anymore. So like, what's the story behind Netherfield? Like where have they gotten? And why is a tradesperson, a very wealthy tradesperson's son, why is he now in a position to let it? Yeah. Right. So it's like the the encroaching of like new money coming into the coming into town. I love that. I um I want to know the story of Netherfield. Maybe that's another one that we should write. Another one, just one of many. It's going in. It's going in the list. It's going on the list. Uh, be on the lookout for that to drop in 2025. It's called Netherfield. <laughs> so creative. That's a good title. So creative with titles. <laughs> Um, I will just read off one more endorsement for this book. We had many. So I think that we're preaching to the choir when we uh, recommend Pride for you guys to read. I I feel like maybe there's like two of our listeners who haven't read it yet. Um, And it's us. And it's us, (laughs) yeah. You and me. Yeah. Bianca said that um, she devoured it. My God, this raises the bar on adaptations, actually speaking to societal issues, no matter the setting. Social commentary doesn't need to be tossed out when writers change the setting. How true? How true? We're with you there. Agreed. So we've got another one. I think this is the last one on our list. Mm -hmm. But Aisha at Last is a Pride and Prejudice set in a South Asian Muslim community, but within Toronto's East End. The author, Uzma Jalaluddin, is a teacher and a parenting columnist. And again, didn't set out to write a Pride and Prejudice retelling. But when her beta reader was kind of going through the text, she was like, hey, this is kind of like Pride and Prejudice yeah. in, the fourth, in the fourth draft. So it's gone through a few drafts and it's like, there are some themes here. So then kind of the leaning into that starts to happen. It's like, I'm going to make this a bit more overt. Right. Um and I will say, Sarah, again, Sarah Pesci, our dear friend from Loft and Croft Editing, she has been banging on about this book for months. She loves it. It's out in Canada right now. Um, it is not out in the States, sadly, until someone next send summer. Someone copies. I know. Someone send us a copy from Canada. Um, you can read the first chapter on entertainmentweekly.com right now. I saw an interview with Uzma um, on YouTube and she seemed like a pretty cool chick. And she also uh, said that she was like really looking to write a book that shows diversity within a diverse community. And I was like, yep, that's a great selling point for me. I was down for that. So this book is all about what it means to be a Muslim woman, like across the board. Yeah, not just like, this is what it's like to be a Muslim woman. And it's one type of Muslim woman. Yes. So I was like, okay, I am interested in this. Also, um, there is one storyline that I'm really curious to see. um, And that is, uh, it deals with workplace discrimination. I won't say which character. I know which character, but I don't want to spoil it for you guys. Mr. Bingley. I'm not saying. I'm not saying. Not saying. Mr. Collins. Not saying. But you know what, Hannah? If you don't get around to reading this one right away, don't worry. Because it's been optioned for a movie. Yeah! yeah. Guess what I do have time to do. I can watch a movie. Right? It's only like an hour of my time. Oh, two hours. <laughs> 
Now, if you would like more diverse retellings in your life, then check out the campaign for Rational Creatures, which is a literary-inspired web series. Today, we do have an interview with two of the creators, Hazel Jeffs and Jessamine Lee, who are currently crowdfunding the money to fund the entire series. And there's still loads of different backers rewards that you can go and pick up, so definitely check it out. If you do want to find more information, you can do that by following them on Twitter, at Rational Series, or hitting up the website, rationalseries.wixsite.com slash site. How did you two meet? Through the magic of the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I Hazel was making gifs of literary web series, including my first show, which didn't have a very big audience, so it didn't get very many gifs. Mm-hmm. And so I was like scrolling through her Tumblr looking to see if she'd made any more of my show. And I found a post asking for writers for a Far From the Manic Crowd web series. So I emailed her and uh, that was the beginning of a long and wonderful friendship. <laughs> oh, nice. Now, I should ask, actually, how did you both get into um, making web series? Like where... Where did you guys start? And then also, do you guys have a background in like theater or film? Um, I have no background in theater and film. Gotcha. <laughs> it's, yeah, I guess just um, not so much news about diaries, but there was a series called The Autobiography of Jane Now, which came like right after, which I was absolutely mm-hmm. obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and just got talking to people in them. And then those people started making series, so I watched those. And then I think because... I did English for my degree, but it was like a new media-y kind of English. Mm-hmm. So I wrote an idea for web series for my dissertation, and then I just really wanted to make it. So worked out as you went along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And what was... Uh, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, my story is fairly similar. It was also AOJE that really got me okay. hooked. And um, I had a couple other friends Hello. who were really into it. And we did have theater background. Mm-hmm. They were... They were both friends that I knew from high school uh, drama stuff. So we decided to have a go at making a web series. Um, and that one was based on Sense and Sensibility. So I'm coming back to Austin after a couple of years here. So what is Rational Creatures? How did this one come about? Uh, I think we were all in like a group chat Facebook for like, series creators and we started talking about mm-hmm. what a season series would be like and then somewhere along the line we decided we we're gonna make it I think yeah um, yeah a few people had ideas started I know Ashlyn had a few documents of brainstorming and we just all kind of kept adding on to the brainstorming and until we had a full idea and what made you guys want to go with like a persuasion inspired series I think a lot of it was just knowing that people wanted one so badly. Sure. I think like everyone, I think probably almost anyone who's worked on literary web series has at least toyed around with a few ideas for persuasion at some point. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of one of the harder stories to adapt and that's why no one's actually done it. So I think it mm-hmm. was kind of like, well, if we all work on it together, we can like crack it and figure out how to... Um, how to pull it off as a web series and and also it's just a really great story i feel like hazel should speak to that because she's she's hazel um, is it your favorite 
<laughs> yeah, actually, it wasn't at the start of the year. It was Emma was my favourite for ages. But then, mm-hmm. like, I moved to Bath and I watched the um, 1995 film for the first time. I was like, oh my gosh, I need to, like, revisit this story. So I read the book, like, three times in a row. And, yeah, we were talking about this at the same time. So, yeah, a really gorgeous sit. Um, you know, it's, a really, it's one of the most... Uh, I think it's one of the more like romantic Jane Austen ones. It just has a very different tone to all the others, which is really special. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I've really fallen in love with it as a book a lot more than I did before we started. Like, I definitely wouldn't have listed it in my top books, but um, I think it's probably a top three now for me. Nice. Yeah, I know Hannah will disagree with me here. I mean, it's her number one <laughs> book. It's her favorite book of all time. I It grew on me, too, as well. I mean, it's not, it's in the top three. <laughs> I'll give it that. I'd say it's Pride and Prejudice, Emma, and then Persuasion. But it has grown on me, and there are certain elements of Persuasion that I um, am really obsessed with, including Sir Walter Elliot, which I kind of want to ask you guys about later. <laughs> Oh, he's great. He's yeah, he's one of Austin's finest side characters. <laughs> he's my sure. favorite. I mean, he's in the show, right? Yes, yeah, he is absolutely. We we have had versions that had less of him, and we kept being like, "No, we got to put more of him, and we got to make him funnier." And like, okay, good, good, yes. good, good. I like it. We've so- we've reworked what we were doing with him a few times to make sure we we're really really getting him in there and having him still be funny and great I'm on board for that because I think he's he's the best (laughs) now how do you guys coordinate production do you like split up you know script writing duties or do you guys all work on a little bit of everything how does this work because you guys are in well you're in three different countries correct yes with your other creators yeah and and not in close proximity like Anya and I are both in the states but she's in Chicago and I'm in Oregon so it's not like we can just pop over to each other's houses you know <laughs> right right there's a bit of distance there I can yeah. concur yeah her, I think her and Ash are actually probably closer in proximity right Toronto and Chicago probably yeah close. yeah <laughs> absolutely I mean we've done it with seven countries before so it's easier than that really <laughs> yeah that's true uh hazel's series away from it all was was it seven it was so many time zones it was a lot to the skype meetings were very hard to schedule that's (laughs) horrible (laughs) but it's also really cool because it's like you know you couldn't do this without the internet yeah that is absolutely true so um where will like actually like the shooting take place uh the plan as of now is chicago oh Mm -hmm. really so can I come visit you guys on the set? Yeah. I have to ask Anya. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nice. All right. You guys There's will have to let that. me know. Yeah. But yeah, for writing things, we use like Google Docs and that kind of thing a lot. And Trello and just anything organizational, which can get yeah. on the same page. Mm-hmm. We do um, Skype meetings probably at least every few weeks. Yeah, and just chat like constantly. Yeah, Facebook chat never stops. Probably only like 10, 20% of it is actually talking about the show. <laughs> okay. You know how group chat, group chat is easily, um, easily yeah. chat. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Hannah and I have one that's dedicated to this show, but it's also dedicated to like deep dives of the Instagrams of uh, Bachelor and Bachelorette contestants Mm. for some reason. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I know. 
Yeah, we do a lot of we do a lot of rom com talk. We're always like, oh, have you guys watched this movie? I'm watching this movie right now, and filmmaking and Austin and books. Well, that all seems relevant, especially rom coms, because it's like you know talking about maybe structure, things that you like, and maybe things that you want to co-opt for like what you're working on as well definitely it gets to be where like it's a problem sometimes you're like watching a movie and you like can't just like relax and watch it because you're like okay how did they structure this and oh what an interesting shot that is could we do something like that and right (laughs) that's fantastic I what I love about this too I mean this is all a group of women as well right yes yeah just like the the book that I'm working on outside of sort of my like Austin and Bronte life is about like how women collaborate. Oh, nice. And form like, yeah, big group projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so I find this to be very interesting. Like, do you guys have, um, for instance, like a leadership structure? No, we don't it's, really. It's but... totally shared. Right. Yeah. yeah. I find this a lot yeah. actually. <laughs> Which is the first project we've done that way because we've all worked on each other's shows in various mm-hmm. capacities over the last couple of years. Like we were all on Hazel's, but Hazel was in charge and the rest of us were writers. Mm-hmm. Um, they wrote for my show, Twincidence, last year and I was in charge, but they were writers. But it's really worked out just fine. Like you would think it might be hard to not have kind of someone making the final decisions, but we've um, managed so to... different things. So it, yeah. Yeah. It balances out really nicely. Now, what were sort of the core elements of the like the story structure of persuasion that you just you needed to adapt and that maybe you guys have discussed in this group chat? Well, definitely the Anne and Wentworth romance. I don't I think mm-hmm. that's probably the most core element of the entire book. Sure. Right? Sure. That beautiful, yeah. intense long love story and there's so much tension and longing and um you know I think that's the it's the letter scene and you know all that is the is what draws people to persuasion I think but um I think we've each oh sorry go ahead (laughs) um like I think in a lot of ways you're doing one persuasion you would want to make Anne like much older because you're adapting the old maid kind of thing and that's right. where you'd get you don't get like 28 year olds you're like oh mm-hmm. my life is finished now but I think you do get like we're all in our mid-20s so I don't think we could have written a much older protagonist very naturally um and do you think in persuasion like most characters aren't very satisfied like they've reached a point in their lives where it kind of didn't end up what they wanted to be and they're kind mm-hmm. of questioning like yeah yeah. And I think that the point you hit, like in your mid twenties, thirties, where it's like this quarter life crisis thing, like absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's something we concentrate on. That's a lot definitely one of the things that really speaks to me in the book, and I think in our version, that's very like getting to be in your late twenties and being like, what am I doing with my life? What do I even want to be doing with my life? And right. Can you um tell me a little bit about your Anne and your Wentworth, and just like where they're at in their lives? So one of the very first ideas that we talked about was having the Elliot family be um, Latinx. That was Mm -hmm. one of Ash's original ideas. Her parents are from Argentina and she wanted to represent that. Um, So we've stuck with that idea. So our Anne Elliot is now Anna Elias. Mm -hmm. Um, 
and she is about 26, 27. She's uh, working for her dad. They have a travel agency business and it's not doing so well. And she's, you know, she's, it's not really what she wants to be doing with her life, but she's kind of like, oh, I got to help my family. You know, I don't have any big dreams I'm chasing. So um, some things change for her at the beginning of the story. And she ends up moving to the city with her sister Mm -hmm. um, and trying to figure out, you know, what, what she wants out of life. And then of course, our Wentworth character shows up and makes all of that even more complicated. Sure. Um, she's very much someone who is kind of looking out for everyone around her and not looking out for her own wants and needs, um, mm-hmm. which we thought is, uh, you know, sort of exploring the emotional labor that women put in for the people around them was sure. kind of something we wanted to, look at in a modern context um mm-hmm. yeah that's without getting into spoilers that's probably anna and or i'm anna anna in a nutshell i like that you have her living with her, uh, elizabeth or what's elizabeth's um, name now we actually we actually have her living with our mary character we don't oh, we mary. actually don't have an elizabeth yes okay gotcha yes. oh mary well they're both so, you know our comedic. mary is uh, marisol okay gotcha and what about Wentworth? Mm. Um, well, he was kind of interesting to adapt because I think quite a lot of Austin heroes, you kind of, you have this veil of them just being, oh, they're really charming and handsome and you don't really think about who they are as a person so much for a while. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was cool getting into Fred a bit more. And we have him as, um, he's a, like, borderline famous, like, travel writer, blogger. He's just on the go since he was, like, 18 since he knew Anna really um yeah and he's like really charming and outgoing and um yeah like yeah he's a really warm person who really gets the heart of people and wants to be in the center of everything but um yeah he's starting to get to the point where he's like a bit satisfied with where he is in life doesn't quite know why um he's been like avoiding all these um maybe close relationships and going back home too often because he thinks if he slows down just everything's going to come crashing onto him and this mm-hmm. is like the story starts when he has to slow down um for the um, new piece he's working on see his sister in the city now what was like the most challenging thing to adapt for this story well, one of the hardest things really was figuring out how to portray a protagonist like anna Mm-hmm. Because she's so introspective and in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially, like, all the web series that we've worked on, um, I think, with the exception of one, have been vlog style. Um, and we just couldn't see Anne Elliot being someone who's going to, like, broadcast all her feelings right. to the internet, right? So so we're doing um, some, we're calling them flashbacks, vlogs of when... Anna and Fred were young and kind of using that to explain what happened between them back in Mm -hmm. the past. But everything in present time will be cinematic style, which gives us um, some more tools to be able to show what Anna's thinking. But at the same time, you don't want to get really heavy handed and be like, oh, it's just tons of voiceover of her explaining all her thoughts. So we've had had to get creative and find ways to show, not tell. And um, right come up with a few creative solutions that I think um, 
will come across in interesting and cool ways on screen. I like that. I like the flashback idea. I think that'll be really interesting, actually. Yeah. And then, um, of course, that like boosts production as well, I'm sure, because now you've got to go out and get locations and all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. so this is a definitely a much more ambitious project on mm-hmm. the production side of things than anything we've done. It's a lot more time consuming and expensive to do mm-hmm. a more um, cinematically filmed series. This show is honestly structured and set up much more like a movie. Like if you mm-hmm. binge watched it, it would be essentially like watching a feature length like rom-com. Okay, um, gotcha. Compared to some of the other shows we've done that are a little more rambling and with the vlogs and stuff. So this will be, you know, if you're enjoying all these Netflix rom-coms, this is going to be right, <laughs> right up your alley. <laughs> Perfect. Now, like roughly how many episodes you guys got going on? I think about 25. 25 yeah, episodes. Okay. Right. And how um, long are those? Uh, it's probably going to vary. I'm going to say anywhere between about three and 10 minutes. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, sound about right to you Hazel yeah I think so yeah okay nice yeah so you know so, yeah, like it'll, a... it'll be feature length altogether our script right. is 120 pages right now I think okay nice cut down from a lot <laughs> oh yeah we, our, our last revision cut out I think 90 pages oh wow that <laughs> is yeah. quite a bit we're we, we're gonna do like one final pass to really really refine everything but the draft we're on right now is getting really good uh who who got the most cuts in that one? Or what storylines got the most cuts? Can you say? I don't think it was as much full storylines as just like, oh, there's a bunch of cute filler in this scene. Sorry, got to cut yeah. that. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> There'll be a lot of... Uh, one of our perks on our crowdfunding campaign actually includes uh, digital script deleted scenes. So okay. all that adorable banter we had to cut... Uh, you can get in one of the perks. <laughs> but yeah, there's a lot of killing our killing our cute banter darlings. <laughs> now, um, Hannah said that I had to ask this. And I don't know if you can tell me because it would be a spoiler. But I mean, Louise is going to fall off a wall, right? Not exactly. Not exactly. Okay. Um, she, need, she needed to know. She need, Do we have a Louisa? We have a Lewis. Okay, Lewis. So we've made some changes there a little bit by mm-hmm. uh, gender bending that character. Gotcha. Um, we do have a scene that is the equivalent of Louisa falling off the wall, but it does not play out exactly in the same way. Now tell me, um, so this episode and the intro for this episode and then a bit in the outro as well, because we just taped them yesterday. Um <laughs> It really focuses on the like important importance of like representation and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So you know, of course, you guys have written with this in mind. We've got some gender bending. We have you know a change with the ethnicity. Um, why is this important to you guys? I don't know. I feel like it's we live in such like a multicultural society, and like I don't know, maybe half people I know are straight. I know until recently I was still writing like really like traditionally rom-com or drama stories where everyone was white and everyone was straight and yeah it was yeah it's weird how stories affect how you think mm-hmm. so 
like having a media like that kind of really affects how you think stories should be told and whose stories you think um, like deserve to be told. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to go against that a bit and say like, no, this is what our worlds actually look like. Like there are right. people of so many different races and so many different sexualities and romantic orientations. And it was really important that, yeah, that was a reflection of how we see 2018. And if we're going to be modernising Jane Austen, it should be like that. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like if you read Jane Austen's work, you know, she's representing the world that she saw around herself, which was straight and white. Mm-hmm. But she was very much someone who I think was pushing the envelope and being progressive and feminist and all those things. Mm-hmm. So I think if she was writing today, she would be including these kinds of things and trying to, you know, include the people in modern society. So now we are back. And Hannah, just for you, I had to find out the fate of Louisa slash Lewis Musgrove. I needed to ask that question, whether or not uh, someone was going to fall off a wall. I mean, I appreciate it. I'm disappointed to say the least. Like, are they hitting Lewis Musgrove with a bus? At the bare minimum, I need like some <laughs> kind of head fracture. What is happening? Wow. Like, I need to know. Strong you know how I feel about it. Strong. I was just trying to figure out how he's going to wear a red cape. Yeah. Because, like, even in my head, with it being a modern one, I was just like, and then she is wearing a blue cape, and then she falls off a wall. <laughs> like, in 2018, the cape. It's like, did they go to a comic convention? I don't know. But Maybe like, it's a fancy dress party. Iconic. It could be a fancy dress party. Or, um, you know, I'm just saying this, guys. The series hasn't been made yet. You could always go to Navy Pier. The series is being filmed in Chicago. You could always go to Navy Pier and just have someone go on one of those uh, those day drinking cruises and fall off a wall. Just saying. It's a Wearing thing that a happens. Red cloak. Wearing a red cloak. Happens all the time. I've been to Navy Pier and it does happen all the time. <laughs> it's a mess. You can't hear anything for the shouts of people going, Louisa, no. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I do love what Jessamine and Hazel were saying about the way, you know, like Austin is writing about the world that she saw and she was being progressive in her own way. And I think they're right in that when you modernize these stories to give us a view of what her world would be now, they do have to be diverse. They do have to be a diverse retelling. Like Jane Austen wasn't just writing about white people because she hated people of color. That's, that's not what is happening. And so when we do modernizations, if it is just white people, it's like, what are we saying about Jane Austen? Right. Right. And what are we saying about ourselves and what we want to consume? She was writing about the world that she knew and a very small slither. She wasn't writing about like the highest upper echelons of society. She wasn't writing about servants, you know, it's like, so, yeah, just kind of like broaden the lens a little bit. The way we view the world now is very different. So now, on a different note, I'd like to turn the conversation around and remind everyone that we are going on a break. We're breaking up. We're breaking up. The band's breaking up. Actually, no, we're just uh, we're going to have some <laughs> holidays <laughs> and uh, I'm getting ready to come over to England. So... Yeah. Yep. It's pie time, baby. It is pie time. 
Um, we will be at the Bronte Parsonage on December 5th, Gaskell House on December 9th. And then we are starting up a new read along of Wives and Daughters in late December. So there will be more details all over our social media about these events. And uh, Hannah, where, where do the people go if they want to find these details? You can find us as always on Instagram and Twitter at Bonnets at Dawn. You can email us bonnets at dawn at gmail.com or you can join our very chatty, <laughs> I was trying to think of a good adjective for it, our chatty Facebook by searching Bonnets at Dawn in the little search bar, answering the questions and uh, coming on in and All right. joining us there. Yeah, sounds good. All right, guys, thank you so much. We got two more episodes left before our break. I hope you enjoy this one, and I hope you enjoy those. Bye! (laughs) Bye.